0: Hi, it's Looney. You're listening to the JT and Looney Podcast, Episode 54. And before I push the record button and lasso JT out of his 16 jobs in order to do this podcast, I need to remind everybody of our great sponsor, Bet Online. Go to BetOnline.ag and just thank them for being what a great sponsor they are. By the way, load up on the Baltimore Ravens every single weekend. That's my excellent advice. Just Ravens to win. Ravens to win. Ravens to win. Just keep putting down your change on Ravens to win. At the end of the year, you'll be happy it did. Go to betonline.ag to do that. They have game spreads, totals, uh, coaching props, really cool stuff. BetOnline gives you more options to, to bet on stuff than any other place online. And they're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Betonline.ag. Take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, I guess what I have to do here is push this red button, and then that'll
1: start the record
0: process.
1: Uh, I'm excited. I just got some unbelievably bad news on the Raider game being changed. You see that? No,
0: no, I did not. I was big, uh, there was a big uh, commotion Your here at Raiders the house. Have been removed
1: from Sunday night football on NBC. Oh, no. Six players are in COVID protocol. One tested positive. The whole offensive line got sent home. Uh, Roger Goodell not risking the brand took them off Sunday night with Tom Brady. 80 degree night with the whole city lit up like a freaking flashbulb gone to the <sighs> five window
0: wow uh, wow
1: i got a lot of information on that so
0: okay well yeah we are actually uh rolling so good that'll actually be on that our, our casual conversation before we say go as usual sometimes makes it onto the show unless we use names <laughs>
1: Well, I don't. I want to. I want you to sign a disclaimer that you're not. You're not recording me when I'm not watching, like Jeffrey Tubin. I want to. Make sure, <laughs> I want to make sure that anything you, any of my content that you use on the JT and Looney podcast, you have to sign a disclaimer. That is true. Now I've learned how to turn off my camera. Good. Turn on my camera. Mute my video. Mute my microphone because. You know, you could uh, think you're having fun with your microphone and camera. And then the next thing you know, it's part of your Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. no pun intended. But uh, I just, yeah, it's one of those things where here's a guy, as I say, smart people get horny, too. Here's a guy whose college roommate was the chief justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts. So Jeffrey Toobin, no dummy, successful writer for Vanity Fair best-selling books, including The Run of His Life, O.J. Simpson, because he was there at the O.J. Simpson trial. And as you really illuminated it to me when I just took it for granted, but you gave him a label, the smartest guy on TV.
1: I called him that, and I don't agree with all of his politics. Right. And I, I think he's become more of a pundit, which has disappointed me over the last couple of years. It really has, because it used to be When you flip over to CNN, if you were watching another network and you see Jeffrey Toobin, I would tell you he's the smartest man on TV. I was amazed at how brilliant he was because he's a legal scholar. And we always have kind of like when the pope, when there's always when there's a new pope, they bring in a scholar in the Vatican. Right. And You're just riveted to his information. And how did he become a scholar of the Vatican? And with the Supreme Court, he was that guy. And every time they bring him on, if it's Democrat or Republican, he just cut to the chase and told you everything. And he was so, so buttoned up. So I was disappointed by his uh, act of, as Howard would say, pleasuring himself. Because uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, (laughs) but the fact that I don't want people making jokes about him because – I think he's the smartest guy on TV.
0: Oh, man. you know, And they've got a couple at CNN that they never got. You know, they pushed him a little bit to be a little bit more opinionated rather than buttoned up, as you put it. Also, one of my favorites who I say also belongs on that list, because you always used to text me at times when you were upset with the uh imbalanced nature of of all the news networks and you said jeffrey toobin should be the only guy allowed to speak on television that's how highly you thought of him yeah. if i may I repeat do. your I text, do. Do. and uh also who's the vanilla guy that reminds me of tony dungy that worked in the reagan white house the bush white house the clinton white house the Obama uh, bill, uh, bill uh, A Gergen.
1: Gergen? Yeah, David Gergen.
0: David Gergen. He's got a very vanilla Tony Dungy type of delivery, but it's middle of the road. You can trust him because I always think you can trust guys that try to just be honest and do it right since they're going to be a journalist. And even if they've been, you know, he was in the Republican White House, a Democratic White House, knows his presidential history. I think he's fascinating, not his personality, but the information that that he relays and, you know, there's certain guys that you trust. And a lot of people probably would call him a Republican in name only. And that's when, you know, when people's like uh, Joe Scarborough's one of those guys where I think he really tries now just to be a journalist and not to be uh, you know, he used to be a, he was a new English Republican back in the day, a congressman from Pensacola. But once he became a TV pundit, he really tried to be objective, and that pissed people off. The liberals don't trust him because he used to be a Newt Gingrich Republican. The Republicans don't trust him because sometimes he speaks the truth and upsets them when they don't want the truth told, which means to me he's probably doing a good job if he's upsetting both sides,
1: right? Absolutely. There's yep. a lot of people upsetting people as we are recording this podcast and getting ready for the election in less than two weeks. And for the first time, in a long time, I've been avoiding cable news because I'm so pissed off at cable news. It's never been worse in regards to propaganda from one candidate or the other. And the fact that now you can turn on the comp- – I don't watch MSNBC. I watch Fox and CNN, and I watch PBS, mm-hmm. and I, I read. And when, I, when you turn something on to see so many drastic opinions – on two different channels the two i mentioned and they're just so negative and angrier than they've ever been yeah and i just think that they're just trying to get their candidate to the finish line instead of reporting the news and look there's pundits and there's talk show hosts and they're going to give their opinions but overall i find it repulsive now i could barely watch
0: well i see what you're saying when it comes to men used to be men. From NBC News World Headquarters in New York, this is NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams. And by the way, MSNBC, I do watch Brian Williams. He's from Elmira, New York, grew up on Church Street, listening to the same radio stations I did, even though he's older. And uh, and Joe, by the way, and Joe Scarborough also lived in Elmira for a few years. So there's that dirt bias that I have for both of those guys. And they're also both excellent. So I do watch some of Brian. He's got an eleven o'clock. He's designated to eleven o'clock uh, Eastern time, but at least in my time zone, he's on today. But to your point, yeah, anchor men and women, and CNN and Fox have excellent uh, uh, anchor men and women. Didn't used to inject their opinion. They used to just to be deliver great news deliverers. And every once in a while, I guess Walter Cronkite would do five minutes at the end on a Friday and give his opinion. But otherwise, you were guaranteed you were going to get the news done right. And the obsession with CNN, because it's kind of an, they also have CNN International. You can kind of depend on them when there's a tsunami and earthquakes. That's really when they're at their best. When Anderson Cooper's standing in a T-shirt in New Orleans, it's better than when he's giving, he's giggling and mumbling and giving his opinion, his liberal opinion. So I agree with you. It is disappointing when they get bogged down in politics and anchors are giving opinions rather than trying a little bit more to deliver it objectively.
1: Well, I'll give you a big example for me is Hannity. Hannity, we worked at the same company for yeah. Hannity and I did for 17 years. So I had, you know, I I have the utmost respect for Hannity as a radio host. I really yep. do. I think he's one of the great radio. It's amazing hosts. what he's done. Yep. Yeah, he's done amazing things. Because
0: I think he started, I don't even know if he finished college, and he started as a disc jockey in Alabama. As oh,
1: the Roofer. He's, he's done a lot of things. Yeah, yep. And and Hannity, to me, has gone to shit completely on television. Yeah. Now because it's just full-blown, full-blown bullying and propaganda, and it gets to the point now where if he wants to rip Biden, and he can rip him all he wants, if he wants to do Hunter Biden's laptop, right. if he wants to go through anything he wants, I'm fine with that. But the way he mocks Biden for being old and onset dementia and everything, he's bullying an elderly man, mocking him, laughing at him. Hannity shouldn't have to do that because Hannity is at such a high level of the food chain. Now, when he does that, I just shake my head and I turn it off because he makes it so personal and it angers me. And you know where I stand politically. I'm watching yeah. Hannity, and it's just gotten to the point where he's a caricature of himself.
0: Yeah, my brother, who tends to lean to the right, can't, doesn't like him also because he's too predictable. My brother law, just like I do, loves an independent mind that's going to surprise you. That's what people get from us. As we, they might think we're uh, Hollywood liberal, or because you yell a lot, they think you're a lot more right wing than you are. I always call you a oh, but, uh, yeah, low calorie <laughs> Republican.
1: I feel like I'm on a, a low carb Republican diet the last four years. Yeah, right. <laughs> and
0: uh, and I do think that a lot of times with great broadcasters, you got to surprise your listener by being an independent thinker and thinking of things and verbalizing things in ways they had never thought. And that's what, you know, Howard Stern is great with that because he thinks of, he puts a quarter turn on the mundane. He's just not repeating predictable uh, party line stuff. And anybody who thinks independently is always a little bit more interesting than somebody that's predictable when they're Using a microphone for a yeah, living.
1: I'm a big fan of a monologue. I built I built my entire yeah. radio career on a monologue. And what I loved about Bill O'Reilly before his shenanigans and his behavior and his yep. lawsuits and paying these women off is O'Reilly's monologues were incredible. I mean, they mm. were so flawlessly delivered. He would open up the show, and I would get home and I would watch it. And if I DVR'd it, I'd get everything. And then he'd dive into guests. And when like, like Jimmy Kimmel does a monologue. And the Mm -hmm. monologue is what I want to watch. I don't want to watch the guest. I want to see the artist. I want to see the broadcaster in the beginning of the show when they put in their most prep. And they really get into it. And O'Reilly was so good at that. And Tucker Carlson, who a lot of people think is polarizing and don't like him, his monologues are really good, too, because he gets right into it. The show starts before the music starts. Boom. He tries Absolutely. to grab me in the first five minutes. Often I don't agree with him, but I respect his delivery. And you know, you got that from Megan Kelly, Don Lemon, Wolf Blitzer. You mentioned Brian Williams. I'm not a Rachel Maddow fan, but all of them.
0: By the way, I, I'm not a fan of hers either, but mm-hmm. I, can, I can recognize greatness. Her writing, her delivery is excellent. I just have no interest in watching it, but her writing and her delivery is excellent. Excellent. But I, I, don't, I just don't like the show.
1: Yeah, so for the last, I'd say, two years out of the the four-year run of this president, the last 16 months to two years has been so repulsive. And I watch people now. I watch my parents who are great. You know how great my parents are when they watch Fox. And my dad will just sit there and watch it with the iPad and look at Facebook. He's He's not yelling back at the TV. My father's really calm with that and great at that. But I notice when a lot of people watch that TV, their heart rate gets up. They want to get the news the way they want it delivered. And when we get closer and closer to an election, I think it leans harder. There's more propaganda. There's more emotion that's fake emotion trying to go in. I really believe that Hannity thinks, uh, just like Don Lemon, that they're going to win the election. They believe that a show on Tuesday night with their vision of what's happening with America right. is actually going to have an impact on yeah, the Yeah, they think they're part of the team,
0: like the people yeah. who say we when they talk about the Yankees, <laughs> like those people. <laughs> and yeah, well, and, and you're right about that. And just as a small rabbit hole here, if you ever want to see a fascinating upbringing uh, and a fascinating, very liberal upbringing Tucker Carlson has a, you know, was was educated in Europe and schools in Switzerland, born and raised in San Francisco, and and his mom was a, a hippie, and and he has a really fascinating background, and was a longtime CNN guy, and was he didn't have the chip on his shoulder that he does now, and of course it's really, and he had to fill a void. Bill O'Reilly left, and he had to grab some of that audience, and so. I see what he's doing, but it always, of course, is really is really disappointing when you find out somebody's lead writer is secretly a member of the of um, the Aryan Nation or whatever. These these small micro white supremacy groups that barely exist anymore. Really, you can't all the writers in the world, and you, you can't find somebody who's not a white supremacist. Or you know, is that is that somehow how an ugly secret to the success of the show? And that's incredibly disappointing.
1: Well, I think I've wasted. I've wasted 10 years of my life or so watching particular cable news shows mm-hmm. that are years I can't get back. I, I often talk, <laughs> on podcast, I talk on this podcast about my schedule. And my schedule has always right. been crazy with radio. So now I'm only watching things that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. And as we jump into this, I, I'm finding the word apathy is a really important word now. And we got to okay. include that in the title of this podcast. Okay. Uh, More and more people now are getting rid of things they don't watch anymore or do anymore. And I'm worried about it with sports. I'm really worried about it in sports. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not a five-alarm fire, but it's a two-alarm fire. It's like one of those forest fires that start small, and then you hear on the news they can't contain it. And what's happening is when you take Fox News or CNN out of your life, or you take and you cut the cord with Cinemax, because I love HBO, but... Mm -hmm. One Cinemax, and i don 't have to have Showtime that I have, like billions when you start getting these getting these programs and networking and shows out of your life you don't yearn for it to come back yeah, and I think that's yeah. what 's happening with America today. People are doing that with their Marriages. They're doing it with their restaurants. They're doing it with movies. Let me give you an example. You're a big movie guy. How mm-hmm. many times you would tell me, "Hey, what are you doing for the weekend?" Well, you're going to your movie on Sunday night mm-hmm. at Art Deco Theater. Now yep. you haven't had it for how long? I know, since March, yeah. and, and you can probably you you probably miss it. A lot of people. I don't even sense they want to go back to the movies.
0: Well, that's, yeah, because they've really gotten used to, and I did for a long time. You know, Netflix, if you can find something to watch, and when when you do, it's terrific. And I did, boy, I gained 10 pounds uh, drinking Baileys and coffee at night, watching, uh, getting through Breaking Bad and all those seasons that I thought I would never see. And, yeah, there's so many uh, things that you brought up there that are fascinating. I, I had a friend... Uh, a late friend who was a priest, and I asked him about why nobody was becoming priests anymore, and I asked him about even the sexual scars. I said, was it a place like the circus where people who had sexual orientations that were different from everybody else could hide? He said, no. He said, it's because nobody anymore has, so my, my question ended up being ugly. He said, uh, "The it's because nobody has any more lifetime dedication to anything. He said marriages. He said employees to the employers, the employers to the employees, and he, it was a, it was a great point. And to to yours, I don't know if we've got to worry as much about sports because it really has become like a religion in America. I do think, you know, we've got so many other things going on. That and remember, four years ago during the election, it was also down, and then there was record-setting ratings for the years subsequently, but also. We're not watching the NBA during the NBA season. Uh, We missed a bunch of baseball. Then they came back and had this strange short season. So it's not like it's even real. It wasn't like the NBA finals were even real, even though they were. And so uh, that's a lot of what's going on for people isn't real. And they're worried about their jobs and their livelihood. There's a lot of very obvious reasons why, at least in sports, the ratings have gone down.
1: What concerns me is over the years on the radio, we would hear from fans who would say, well, I didn't go to the game. I'm not watching the game because I, I, I love my red zone. I love my red zone. Oh, and right. We got Andrew Siciliano, who either tested positive or had a false positive, missed his first ever broadcast, ever oh, oh my. on T V and he's back. So I wanted to give him a shout-out because he does such a fine job with that. But I remember we went through a stage on the radio together where fans would call in. And we would say we go to sporting events. You'd go to Laker games. I yep. go to Ranger games, and that's different than sports radio hosts that don't go to any games. I mean, there are right. people there are people who make a living in sports radio that don't go to any games, like NBA insiders who didn't get invited to the bubble, so that meant they didn't go to any NBA games, right? Other people, and what I'm worried about now is the apathy of, hey, I haven't gone to an NBA game or a hockey game a year and a half or a college hoop game because they canceled member of the conference tournaments right. and then NCAA tournaments. And if this season opens up without fans, people are going to start saying, yeah, I want to go, but I only want to go to one. I want to go back and see what it's like. I don't want to get seasoned. Or,
0: or worse, like you said, I don't miss it. There's going to yeah. be a lot of people. Hey, and, and what about our economy? People say, you know, I haven't been to the mall since March 11th and I don't miss it. what's going to happen when you can go to the mall? Are people going to rush back to the mall so they can get a a piece of pizza and a a Cinnabon and, and hang around? And right now the malls that are open in a lot of places, you're not allowed to. There's no food court and there's no hanging around. So the rules are different and weird. So a lot of people don't like the experience when they go. So sports and beyond sports, the mall and movie theaters, What are people going to do once they're allowed to go back? Are they going to, and there's going to be a percentage. And we don't know what that percentage is. That's going to say, Oh, Hey, I'm okay without it.
1: It's about apathy. And one thing that people don't have apathy with is your former business, the restaurant business. I just got back from Naples, Florida. I visited my parents. I flew from Vegas through Dallas to Fort Myers, Florida, to Naples where my parents live and Florida was a different country, not a different state. Mm -hmm. I mean, it felt like it was a different country. Everybody there was loose. People were wearing masks around their chin. The restaurants, unlike Vegas, had the bars open. In Vegas, you can go to a restaurant and eat outside or inside, but the bar is not serving food. Mm -hmm. In Florida, the bars were packed and very loose there. And it was pretty uncomfortable. I got a chance to see my parents, which was really important to me. My mind cleared up, seeing my mom waiting for me at the airport, playing golf with my dad. And my mom was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you, the restaurant business, thriving. That's something people aren't going to forget about. People want to go in public. They want to get their drink on. They want to order an appetizer. They want to order dinner. They want to stay there and have a coffee. When that comes back, Tom, it's going to come back big.
0: Well, I hope it comes back big. It's a very difficult business. When I was in the restaurant business, it's, it's fascinating business in the way that you think it's location, location, location. But the, the restaurant I had with the shittiest location. The first two were wildly successful, both in pretty shitty locations. And by the time we really got to know what we were doing. And got some money saved and said, do we want to just put it in the bank or do we want to open up another one? And we were always greedy. Let's open up another one. We had a really cool one on, uh, on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood where everybody has money, et cetera. And young single people and a ton of gay people would put money to spend. And it was just a, it was a Gallup poll perfect location. And it, and it bombed. Uh, and, uh, once, and I, I opened up one on Looney's on Santa Monica Boulevard in Santa Monica, great location or so I thought on Lincoln Boulevard, it bombed. And, you know, the more I knew what I was doing with food, uh, health department, building and safety and the business in general, still, it didn't succeed. So yeah, the restaurant business why? is so why?
1: Yeah. Why didn't it succeed? Were people? Ripping oh. you off? that's a big why. Yeah, people stealing. From oh, no. You. Were people stealing from you.
0: No. Well, that's always going to happen. But and, and not even bad people, good people steal from you. But it's uh, no, that wasn't it. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes you think a great location is the answer. And sometimes it's not. For example, just to paint the picture where you ask it, even though people most likely listening won't know on Lincoln Boulevard in Santa Monica, it's a straight shot to the airport. It's always busy and chaotic. What I didn't realize, even though it was so high visibility, people can't wait to get the hell off of Lincoln Boulevard. So I had a street that had a negative reputation. It was safe, it was wonderful, great location, great decor, everything. I was really at the peak of knowing what I was doing. Great chef, but sometimes you just don't know why either. Uh, Why did those places not succeed? Sometimes it's, why didn't they succeed? It's hard to answer the question. That's the mercurial part of the business. So once you do succeed, and then this comes along, yeah, if they're still there, JT, because a lot of, you know, a lot of restaurants are owned by mom and pops. If they're, if the restaurants are still there, they will thrive. But staying, you know, if if in a lot of parts of the country they're ordered to be closed, how long, how much do they have in the bank to stay closed?
1: On that trip, I went through these airports and when I was going through the airport, one was really crowded. The airport in Fort Myers was empty. I was there. This is a really interesting story. When I was leaving to come back, uh, I had a flight on Friday at three o'clock and at noon on the local news, they said, "Oh, the president is at the same uh, same airport." Oh, cool! I, you could see the tents. tents my dad got. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Traffic. What are we gonna do here? He got uh-huh. on his ways. You know, he got on his ways, and oh, it great. turned out to be fine.
0: Your dad uses Waze app at 80 yeah, years old. Good for him.
1: eighty two, and we got, <laughs> we got to the airport, and I looked out the window like a little boy little boy named John, and there was Air Force One.
0: Wow. And I
1: was like, wow, there's Air Force One. And it was the smaller one. It wasn't the big, big Air Force One. Okay. It was one of the other ones because I guess he's running low on cash, and he's going <laughs> from region to region. Uh-huh. And so the, the gate attendant said, if we hurry up, Never heard this before. If we hurry up, we can beat the president before he gets back with his motorcade and we can get off the ground. And everybody grabbed their bags. and (laughs) Everybody gets in there. It was the greatest thing. Every flight attendant should say this the rest of their lives and (laughs) We got down. The plane took off. And I could see in the corner. They always put Air Force One on the edge of the edge of the airport Mm -hmm. in case it's a threat. So we took off and we land. And I landed. Friday night late. And my wife told me, she said, Saturday, we have a dinner on the strip and we have to go. It's a friend, a good friend of ours, a couple. And my wife doesn't like to go to the strip for COVID. And Mm -hmm. I just got off this trip and I had to get tested Monday by the Raiders for my COVID test. And I said, yeah, we got to go see these friends because they're that good of friends. So we go out to dinner at the Mirage to their steakhouse. We wrap up dinner and we get in the car to leave and we pull out of the Mirage and the entire Vegas Strip is closed. Luckily, my wife did a quick U-turn and went out the side. The president's motorcade went right by us. Oh, my God. So you you, you were trolling him. Wow, yeah. he's trolling you. He's trolling me. He was in Florida. <laughs> I was next to his motorcade in Vegas wow. next to the airplane in less than 24 hours, which was about 24 hours, which blew me away. But – I wanted to get to the election because I put some thought into this podcast because it's not good for my career to talk politics. Oh, Never yeah, right. Never sports radio. And
0: the Michael talking- Jordan philosophy, yeah. yeah that, that philosophy,
1: yep. but, but fuck that. We're going to do it on this. <laughs> We're gonna do this on this podcast. Right. So I just voted, and I was like a oh, little wow. boy because my wife watched me fill out my ballot. And my ballot in Nevada, in Las Vegas, it was two sheets front and back. I filled out the president with the bubble. I made mm-hmm. my choice, and I'll keep that to myself. And then I looked at the rest of the entire ballot, and all it was was judge, 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 judge. Oh, there was 30-something judges. Oh, you must have been bored to death. <laughs> I voted against the one judge I don't like. Okay. He's a guy right. I don't like. I voted against him because he's not fit to be a judge. And then they had a couple of questions about, energy and a lot of other issues about solar. And I just decided to pass because my wife handed me the little booklet to get up to speed on that. I said, I got two more radio shows tonight. I can't do that. (laughs) I finished it. I put it in the secret ballot. I put my name on it. I licked it. I closed it up. I signed it, did everything right. My wife did it. And then my wife took me to vote like a little boy. I was like a little boy waiting in line with my little envelope. First day of school. And I had a hand in the envelope, and I had the ID, the whole thing. I handed in my ballot, so I didn't go into the, you know, the ballot box and go through that all again. And then I walked out of there, ran home, took a shower again. I instantly took that same shower I took four years ago. (laughs) What did I do? What did I do? And I did it, and I did it early enough, so I could just get it out of the way. I believe, as we record this podcast, I'm sensing that everyone who voted early. Other than me, voted Democrat, uh-huh. I'm believing that the only way the president is going to win if there's this giant red wave of people that are going to vote for him on the day of the election because they silently don't want to be polled, They don't answer their phones. They're not answering emails and clicking on clicks. They're just going to quietly go into the booth and vote for the president. So that's what I think is happening. Here.
0: I do think when it comes to the mail-in ballots, it's going to be as ironic as it was maybe in 2016. In 2016, he said it's all rigged, and then he won, which <laughs> is what he wasn't expecting. This time, he was saying mail-ins are no good, and he might need them in some states. You know, as they come in late, and he was upset that some some states are going to allow them to be counted, like, well, what's Pens- what if Pennsylvania is really, really close, but some of those rural red votes haven't come in yet and haven't been counted, and they just got the mail late, he's going to say, okay, let's count them. <laughs> let's count them, even though he didn't want them counted late. So sometimes I, I have a feeling that because there's been a lot of irony uh, over the course of the last several years in politics, and that could be another one. Mark my words on that that you, he's, there's been an ironic twist to what he has desired uh, over the last several years. And what's happened ends up being in his benefit when he thought whatever it was. He thinks late voting or the counting of votes late might be his enemy, but it, it could be his friend. So that's an interesting thing to look at because you might not be right about who's voting early. A lot of people want to vote early too, maybe to avoid COVID and getting into the lines. Um, So I don't... Uh, I, I do know this. We all we've talked about this forever. Forever, they are, they could never decide if they made voting more uh, uh, more easy, who it would benefit. So they never did anything after 2000. The reason why neither party did anything was because they didn't know who it would benefit. You know, if the Democrats thought it would benefit them, they would have pushed for it. If The Republicans thought it would have benefited them, they would have pushed for it. So forever they did nothing now i i'm under the impression it must benefit democrats because there's a big push to have 10 day voting and all this mail-in and because the president is so against it that finally in all the time we've known each other they seem to have come to the conclusion that it helps blue people and blue candidates and that's why there's the push back against it because as long as i've known you Neither party tried to do much when it came to mail-in or making it more fair.
1: Well, I live in a state where my vote counts. You don't. Yes. Yes!
0: I don't even even have to vote.
1: You're right. You don't have to vote in California because (laughs) California – and thank God for the Electoral College because if not, California would decide – the presidential election think about I mean, that that is wait, what do you mean? You know, I, I always call the electoral
0: college the juice box and trophy of politics because you can lose we give the loser a trophy in the juice box and sometimes the presidency to the loser you would be furious if the yankees won seven to four but some tribunal of people said ah but the other team deserves a trophy and the win
1: well as we speak <laughs> california has such a large population that is so liberally biased and so liberal, not biased, just liberal in general, that uh-huh. the election would be decided by California. So we can't allow that. And the fact that we you, have you make a
0: good election. argument the, or yeah. the, the entire uh, election, the, both candidates would just spend all their time in California.
1: Well, look, think yeah. of it this way. We tie it into sports, right? If yep. there was no electoral college, California and New York would give Atlanta <laughs> that 28 to 3 victory. And it would hold. There would be no comeback. The <laughs> right. comeback is the electoral college. The comeback is Tom Brady trying to win a state here, trying to sweep Pennsylvania, try to win Ohio and all of that. But uh because of California, what the way it's weighted? Well, with the
0: electoral college now. You have the Democrat. This is this is how fair it is. The Democrat has to win by six million votes and not three million votes in order to get to the White House. And that's kind of what Joe Joe's aiming at. When you take a look at the numbers, even if you don't, even people a lot of times when it comes to the polls, people don't like them unless they agree with them, and and that's always been the case. I do think one number you want to look at because you know I love my quarterback rating and my political polls. Uh, you know, I can tell you every battleground state and every swing state off the top of my head, but um, I do think the approval rating is something a, a lot of times to look at. Where is the approval rating? Because over the years, a lot of times presidents tend to get incumbent presidents about whatever percentage of the vote that is their approval rating, and uh, and so all the other noise aside, where is you know where are the most recent polls when it comes to the approval rating? And if you look that, I always say on the Friday. Before the Tuesday of the election, it's time the best time to look, take a look at the approval rating of the incumbent president and you'll have an idea of how close or not it'll be.
1: So here's what I think is going to happen in the election. First okay. time I've ever done this in my life. I'm doing it in, on the JT and Looney podcast. Okay. So I believe everything that's happening. Unfortunately, I really believe this. I believe Biden and Kamala are shutting it down. I I really believe that they're shutting it down and they're literally not campaigning because they don't want to have any mistakes down the stretch. So like De La
0: Hoya in the last seven rounds against Felix Trinidad.
1: This is De La Hoya Trinidad, which we were at. So Biden, Biden for a lot of reasons that I don't think he's that sharp on the campaign trail. He's not strong. He's not strong on a zoom. He's not strong with all this, but, biden's biden and he has the support of obama he has the support of the dnc he's got the support of millions upon millions of voters i think he's shutting it down i think he taking-
0: You got to add this too he's got the anti-trump vote
1: he's got the anti-trump vote. So even,
0: even when people don't support him yeah.
1: so he's taking he's not taking a knee he's handing it off up the middle
0: yeah and, yep. and, and we know that, and not to the running back, to the fullback who doesn't yeah. fumble,
1: off to the fullback <laughs> up the middle. Yeah, Trump on the other side has got such tremendous energy, even with COVID and whatever happened with. It's that, unbelievable. He is working his ass off for two reasons. Number one, someone told him that it's over. Someone told him it's over, and what he's doing is he's going around one more time to get the endorphins and the vibe of something he'll never have. Good for his health. Yeah, it's good for his
0: health, and he needs stuff that's good for his health.
1: Okay, He wants to be in public, and he wants to get the roar of the crowd. from the people. I've never been to a Trump rally. From people who have been to it, they say it's better than any rock concert they've been to. A lot of people say that, and I think he's doing it the last time because he wants to experience it again. Why wouldn't you? And or he believes he can win. Because last time, I think he was going up against a much better candidate in Hillary, better candidate, more Mm -hmm. deserving, and he really believed he could win, but he needed a miracle, and he won because he outworked her. So that's where I think we're at now. Trump's desperate. Biden is getting advice to be conservative. I think the only shot Trump has is a massive turnout on Election Day, With not only his entire party, he's got to go, he's got to go 95, 96% in his party. Everybody's got to show up. And for Biden, I think Biden is getting a lot of those ballots handed in early. Mm -hmm. I think now he's got a big lead. I'll say this to my prediction. Drum roll, please, even on a podcast. I, I lean to the right. I would like to see four more years but I don't like the president. I don't like his demeanor. I think he's a bully. I don't like him. I've never liked him, and I voted for him. I'll say this again. I think he loses a very, very, very controversial, tight, tight race that doesn't go to the Supreme Court but gets so vicious and ugly, and at the end, it's like Bush Gore, but this time Gore, who he couldn't find a way to win, I think Biden will win by a sliver. Uh, I don't want him to win. I want to say this, and I don't need to do this, but I got to get it off my chest. So, I'm not you a Trump did. guy. I'm not.
0: You a voted Trump. for Trump in 2016. You just let that out of the bag, but you won't no, say I, who you voted for this time.
1: No, I voted for Trump again. Okay, all right. I'm a Republican, so I voted right. for him.
0: You're a team guy. Your dad put that Yankee hat on your head when you were a kid, and you never switched teams. Same yeah, thing.
1: Yep. Voting, voting for a candidate in my party. I'm not ashamed of that at all. Like right. of people, you vote your party. Uh, I don't like him. I'm not team Trump. I've never been that way. Right. I would like him to win over Biden. I think it'll be better for the country with him over Biden. I respect everyone like you I'm yeah. and everybody else. And I want to say this again, the day after the election, I could give a shit who wins. Again, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not team Trump. And I don't hate Biden, even though I don't want to see him win.
0: Oh, the day after the election, you're saying, who's on the show today?
1: Yeah, the no. day after the election, I will get up the same way I always get up. I'll yep. look at my planner. I'll go to work. I'll have two radio shows, two podcasts, two TV shows, hope all my jobs and my family is healthy, and I'll go to work like I do every day.
0: I do think you're wrong about the prediction, and I will say it comes down to Michigan, oh. Pennsylvania, and um, and Wisconsin. And if you'll remember, Trump won, I think, by 10,000 votes in Wisconsin. And Michigan loves Michigan. And he has insulted Michigan. And, like, Texas loves Texas. Michiganders love Michigan. And I think that really hurt him there. Pennsylvania's a live wire, just like Florida. And if he loses, if Trump loses Florida, it's over. Bring in Jim Lampley.
1: And they're stopping the fight. They're stopping the fight. The fight has been stopped. That's the end of everything. It's over. I just got back from Florida. He's not losing Florida. That's where he lives. Uh, He's got a massive base down there. The turnouts have been enormous. I think the least of Trump's problems is Florida. I think he'll wow. win Florida. Oh. I think Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin, just like it was last time where he stole Wisconsin because Hillary fell asleep yep. and he didn't want to go to Wisconsin. I think Biden is going to be a lot smarter than that.
0: Or was told not to go to Wisconsin by someone we know. But I, I think that uh, <laughs> I think Florida is going to be a lot. Clo- Florida is going to be as close as what you mentioned with your prediction for the election. I don't know if the election will be close, but remember, he's got to win Florida. He's got to again, just like in 2016, he's got to pull a royal flush, Uh not not two pair, but he's got to pull Florida, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and he's got to make sure he doesn't lose. Arizona, Texas, Georgia, and uh, and North Carolina, and so I what did I name just ten things? There's only five cards in a hand.
1: Well, that's so, what that's what Hannity said. I was ripping Hannity earlier. I think right. he's a propaganda minister now. Right? He said that, and he's been saying it the whole time. He he has to thread the needle, is the term he uses. Yeah, that's the problem with Trump because of California and New York and being down twenty eight to three early. He's got to thread the needle and be perfect in those swing states. And I never believed that in sports. I don't believe it in sports or politics that you can be perfect. And his win over Hillary Clinton threading the needle was one for the ages. And what happened at that point in time is a lot of Democrats didn't love Hillary. Right. The, The Hillary Benghazi email story was really, really big. Yeah, it really was. And, and, it Biden, worked,
0: and it really worked against her. Even, And so was the thing with the server, even though most people didn't even know what a server was.
1: And and, and I believe this Hunter Biden laptop thing. And I, I do believe Hunter Biden mm-hmm. tied to the Ukraine and China and all that. I really deep down believe that is a massive story where they're are cover-ups from tech companies to newspapers to Mm -hmm. respectable journalists that I like who aren't covering the story, and they're in on it. I hate to say it, but I believe in a little bit of that. So there's that going. But I don't think people are going to not vote for Joe Biden because of his son. Right. And
0: it's never fair. It's never fair to blame uh, any candidate's adult children for their behavior. Uh, a lot of times it's not fair to blame it's not fair to blame parents as you know for their children's behavior even if their children are under 18 and because you and I not don't even have to look at your kids JT we can look in the mirror and we know that we both did things in our teens and 20s uh, where it would be no reflection on our parents whatsoever so when pe- when people do idiotic things at some age we've got to stop blaming their parents but that never stops politicians in either party of course you know what i yearn for I, this is what I yearn for. And with the election, I think you're wrong. I think the election is over uh, by sundown on the West Coast. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because of the problem that Trump will have pulling that royal flush of North Carolina, Florida, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And what if he loses Ohio? Uh, when it comes to the polling, the polling has been within the margin of error every time in Ohio and Florida and, and you never know with Florida, you just don't know. I, I, the Florida is a wild card or they always tell us it is. And then it always goes red anyway.
1: But it's always close. It's really, Uh, but
0: it is always close. Uh, when it comes to the presidential election and the presidential debates, and as we record this, there's one tonight and the last one really disturbed me. And the ones with Hillary disturbed me and, and, and Trump because of his behavior. Um, the reason, the thing that bothered me is that if you go back in the hot tub time machine, you know, when Clinton debated Vice President Bush, no, when Clinton debated, uh, debated President Bush in 1992, after it was over, he grabbed Chelsea and Hillary and said, come meet the president. And after they had debated vociferously, the president and Barbara embraced Hillary and Chelsea. Hi. And and, uh, he wanted to introduce his daughter to the president. It was very exciting and very classy. And the same thing happened in 2000 when, when uh, vice president Gore was debating George W. Bush and he had those young twins. And after the debate was over, very contentious debate, George W. Bush grabbed his twins and said, come meet the vice president. And same thing, 2012, and it was really cool with the, the Romney kids. Remember how <laughs> Romney had all those boys that looked just like him? And after he was done with his contentious debate with Obama, boys, come meet the president. And it was always, there was this great sense of, okay, once the debate's over, we all celebrate this great democracy, this cool business cult we're in. We are all the guys that had the and, and women that had the balls and ovaries to run for office. Come meet our sons and daughters, and we don't have. You know, the last two debates, they don't even go near each other. Even before COVID in 2016, they wouldn't go near each other. So that that bothers me because politics uh, isn't the lesser of two evils. It's fellow Americans. And if they're evil, we, we're evil and we know we're not. So they're not.
1: So do you so. think it's over by sundown and Biden wins in a landslide?
0: Oh, you mean after that wonderful monologue? You want to get <laughs> back to my <laughs> prediction? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I, by the way, that, that's always a great sign that, okay, if you're bored there, uh, yeah, I think Biden probably wins by sundown. And now, am I hoping that too? Yes. And a lot of times with politics and sports, we mix up what we hope and what we think. But, and I'm always been, both of us, emotion always drove our shows more than facts and figures. But just like I'm obsessed with the NFL quarterback rating, I'm also been always obsessed with the polls over the years. And so I'm very, that's why I did all of that off the top of my head of the battleground states and the swing states and how close they were last time. And that's all in my head. So... Uh, and the polls have not budged really since March. They really haven't budged. There's been uh they kind of took a little bit of a dip for Trump after the first debate, but they've kind of worked their way back so i I don't think that's it's, going to change much between now and election day.
1: I've talked to a lot of friends of mine who lean to the right like mm-hmm. I do, and they're convinced a few i'm I'm dead serious that uh-huh. Trump will win in a landslide. They think he, he's going to crush it. But are they paying attention? Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they believe this. There are a number of uh, Trump supporters, Republicans who are very confident that he's going to win big. And it's for this one reason, as we wrap this up, is uh-huh. that the turnouts, the crowds that turn out for him, mm-hmm. and I know they're just rallies and a lot of people right. are obviously his, they're his P1s, they're his best ones. But the enormity of these crowds and his supporters on these boat through the canal with the Trump boats yep. and the flags and his supporters are rabid and they're coming and they're coming out in full force and they're going to be voting. That's why win, lose, whatever happens either way, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm not politically hinged. I'm not triggered. We'll see how this plays out here, but I think it could get very ugly. And I think the losers, the losers in this election, whatever side loses, if the Democrats lose, the amount of brain cells that are going to explode this time because of the hatred towards Trump, it's going to be indescribable. And on the Trump side, the amount of people that are going to be so visibly shaken and so upset because they're so team Trump, they're going to be triggered like they've never been triggered before. So we're going to have a reaction to something that happened in politics. Like we've never had before.
0: On November 1st, 1984, A political candidate drew the largest crowd in the history of the United States of America. That would be Walter Mondale, who drew 117,000 people to his event in New York City at Central Park in a joint appearance with Geraldine Ferrero. So crowd size. Does matter only to the ego of the politician, but when it comes to it, you know, how, how did President Mondale do as a president? Oh, that's do, you
1: right. know, do you know if crowd size mattered to Jeffrey Tubin? <laughs> we will never know,
0: except only those on the Zoom call will know about size. Well, make
1: sure you to turn to off point. your camera and I'll podcast with you next week. Okay, I to see, see what's happening in the Looney Mansion, <laughs> when I'm not supposed to be looking. All right, see you later. Good stuff? Yeah, yeah, Sorry that'll work very political so uh jeffrey Tubin, uh you have to include our p- political picks our yeah, president you picks.
0: Had, you had a you had a line that i'm not look listen back for that was a perfect line for the show and i had my pen near me so i'm going to uh have to go back and listen for it
1: talk to you over the weekend see ya.